welcome slash welcome back to Bad Apple Good Egg. At this point in time, we have not decided if this is going to be the same or separate episode. So <laughs> buckle up. Yes, we buckle have up. Journeyed to the local bar. Had some journey to the edge. Benny and Yana. We had Benny Yana. to remember the word for eggplant in Spanish. No, give me Beneja. 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 The problem is that it's a long word to type out. So Beneja. It's Berenjena. 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 Thank you. Exactamente. We had las berenjenas fritas. Sí. sí. Con patatas bravas. Y miel. Yes. Sí. Well, the... Y la salsa balsamico. Sí, pero no con las patatas bravas, con berenjena. Sí, sí. Sí, berenjena con miel y... Sí. Balsamico. Más o menos. Más o menos. Is this episode going to be in Spanish? Creo que no podemos decir todas las cosas que quieres decir en español. ¿Sabes? Sí, entiendo. Puede ser, pero creo que está mejor en inglés. Sí, porque la... Todos la, los uh, oídos, el audience, el audience. Sí. Se, no, no sé la palabra. Oídos, sí. Like, listeners. <laughs> I do not know the word for audience. No sé. <laughs> I think the, the audience no hablan en inglés, en no, español. Maybe, maybe. Maybe you have a point, Spanish audience. You know I this. have had 150 downloads. Some have been in Spanish. Downloads. I thought mm. it was listeners. That's bigger. You downloads that's is bigger? bigger. Yeah. What does that mean? Like I, I, I followed you. I didn't download anything though. You know. So people looked at your page and downloaded things. I've got like a hundred. Like they've saved it. Like they've. Point. They. You probably have. You probably have like forty people that have downloaded your whole set because you have three episodes right now. Yeah. Published. Yes. So 40 people downloaded, that's 120 downloads, you know, okay. roughly. That would be that. my ballpark. But honestly, even more people have probably listened to it and followed you. And I don't really know how good the specs are for Spotify, but downloads is like the lowest number. So can't be doing that bad. Thanks for listening, folks. <laughs> Am I just guessing I my friend up? I promise you extreme <laughs> entertainment. <laughs> Intense go. entertainment. If you're here, we're gonna be, you're going to be entertained. All we right. will be entertained. So, Megan here has some experience that mm-hmm. is quite interesting, actually. And it quite is. specific. And actually, I didn't even know about this before we... You wouldn't know by looking at me. No. But also, just... You might. (laughs) But also, just, I didn't know about this. And Mm -hmm. now that I know, I'm like, wow. You, and also, the way that you presented this information to me, it's clear that you have a story you want to share. Yeah. 
And I'm lucky enough to be on the receiving end of this story. Absolutely. So please share with I us. I hope I deliver on the delivery here. Um, <laughs> so I was in this, I was offered multiple offers by the CIA over the years. Um, I. <laughs> Turns the mic. Um, I went into Arabic and computer science, and I feel like that's like their bread and butter. They want to exploit on multiple fronts so um i think you know i kind of i didn't necessarily pick those areas of study because of going into intelligence however i do think that i was aware that i that was a possibility for me and that was a path that i why were you why were you initially interested in arabic studies I have always loved language. I loved it. I mean, I loved it in high school. I loved Spanish in high school. And I think Arabic is really unique in, A, the amount of um, disinformation almost that exists about the Arab world and, and their the culture, language too. The culture, yeah. The culture, all of it, really. And I, I actually took a summer of Rosetta Stone between my junior and senior year of high school. And... Just kind of took it on a whim. Honestly, didn't retain anything, but I knew that I liked it. And it's an extremely regimented language. I could talk about this for literally several podcasts. But um, because of the Quran, um, it's been standardized in a way that a lot of languages haven't, which is really unique, I think, in the way that the written language especially and formalized language is... Uh, maintained across countries, across, you know, manuscripts, literature. Just because, because just in a way that it was able to be distributed to a greater population. The Quran hasn't been translated, unlike the Bible. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about the Torah. I don't believe the Torah has been translated either, actually, but I'm not positive. I can find out. Someone needs to quote me on that. But the Quran specifically, because of the depth and diversity of the Arabic-speaking world, the language is going to change naturally. So there was a lot of effort put into standardizing language. Anyway, um, really challenging language. My analytical brain was like, yes, let's latch on to this. Um, And here we are. That's part of the reason why I ended up there. But I did have an interest in going into intelligence. For a long time, um, being in the D.C. area, there's a lot of opportunity for it, and um, both as a undergrad and postgrad, I had the opportunity to work for them, and both times it fell through for different reasons. Um, however, I think one of the interesting things that I think the general public is probably more interested in is the experience of going through the polygraph. Um, I have been through four at this point okay whoa hold up okay so back up so what were the contextual situations Mm -hmm. in which you had the opportunity to work with the cia so it was like largely like it was an application process okay border on recruited slash application and i'm sure that based on where you were living and the education you were getting you had more access to 
these type of yeah. jobs, these type of opportunities. Yes. Yeah. Oh, of course. Okay, so it was kind of like you heard about it or you saw you sought it out. Right. Um, I mean, I think being in D.C., that's kind of the track, you know? Yes, okay. Um, and I was somewhat seeking it out, I think, at a certain point, especially looking for post-grad opportunities. I was really fixated by the idea of getting a background clearance because they're really hard to come by after you are a student. I know multiple people. What is a background clearance? It's essentially anybody, and it doesn't have to be for like any specific three-letter organization, but it's, it's a process that any, again, any organization can take a candidate through where they clear them, quote-unquote, and you go through some sort of background process. But it's more intense than, like, your standard background check. Yeah, all of them are. You okay. have to provide references for different phases in your life. Usually for you have to provide character references as well as references for every job you worked at, every place you've lived at to verify mm. not every only your job. identity, but it usually, like, within a certain amount of time, so, like, the last seven years, last ten years depending on how old you are technically if you're within seven years of being 18 you're not supposed to go before 18 but you know it's the government they don't give a shit so they'll like fully okay for that you apply so, for a job with yeah. one of these three-letter organizations or another similar organization yeah and what happened next so the process is different for all of them and it's extremely drawn out. It's really challenging to balance your expectations with any of these organizations and other job opportunities because it's kind of always on the back burner. And most people that are interested in going into this field or any kind of tangential field that requires a background clearance are very aware of that opportunity and Again, as I said, it's a lot more challenging to get an opportunity like this after you have graduated from college. And I think they really have a lot of stake in cultivating young professionals to the type of professionals that they want in their Mm. organizations. Additionally, it is an expensive process. So the earlier you invest in somebody, the more, in theory, you're going to get out of them. Okay. If they stay in the organization for 40 years. So, Whoa. you know, I think it's 40 kind years. of right. And like, you're not, you're not signing any contracts. However, once you start bending moral barriers, kind of in it for the long haul, you know? So, um, the process itself, again, depends on the organization. I, you know, went through multiple rounds of interviews, like, like other jobs, but you also go through, different types of screenings, including in some organizations, um, polygraph screenings, as well as medical screenings, um, mental health screenings, so like psych screenings really is what they call them. And yeah, it's a lot. They will contact your references and vet you out and make sure that you are who you're saying you are, which, you know, as a 20-year-old who has lived... 20 years of, like, honestly not that interesting life feels like a bit much, but, um, 
in terms of the government's consideration, like not that interesting. Um, yeah, but it's a, it's a pretty intense process. And I think I was, I made a lot of decisions over the years that would have set me up for success here and was the reason that I was an ideal candidate. And I still felt like I was treated like shit by these organizations. So I think at the end of the day, I ended up pulling out of it because of my own personal like changes in what I was looking for in a workplace and what I was looking for in a career. And it became less important to me to just get money and just get this false sense of power by like having this like secretive clearance yeah and instead like prioritizing my work-life balance and you know I'm really happy where I'm at now but it was still definitely a growing experience for sure um if you don't mind me asking what drew you into pursuing a career like this initially I think it was largely the analytical nature of the work felt very alluring. Also, it is it is secretive, and I think, especially as an adolescent, it's really hard to not be pulled in by that. You know, I visited D.C. when I was in, like, eighth grade and, again, in high school, and then I, you know, I went out to D.C. for college, and I think it always felt like this unattainable society almost like this secret club in a way that took a lot of almost sacrifice to get into and I wanted to be that good I wanted to be the one that like broke barriers and whatever um and I think it was before I was really educated on what a lot of these organizations really do in practice and not just like in theory and they really drive a hard bargain, honestly. And when you're, you know, 15 and obsessed with Spencer Reed from Criminal Minds, it's really hard to not see. Valid. It's not hard to see lights, you know? Valid obsession. Fair, right? It's Valid fair. Valid obsession, yes. Yeah. Do you want to say the organizations that you're referring to? I mean, it's mostly, it's all of them. I mean, it's all three letters, really. So, FBI, CIA. Yeah. I mean, any of them. Any of the Yeah, any of them. I mean, any of the DOD orgs, like, really any of them. Like, it's, there's probably a group of, at this point, it's probably like 15 something, like, organization. Like, you need it for a lot of them. And then even from there, like, it expands out into the private sector because you need these types of clearances to work for a lot of contractors and even within subcontracts for different contractors, it's a whole network of um, different clearance processes and different requirements for all of them. But it's, you know, my experience is limited to one organization, but it's pretty, pretty universal. Standardized. Yeah. Yeah. I think my experience might be a little extreme in some cases and it's probably not the same across Everybody, I'm sure, everyone has a, their own experience, and I think men and women are di- treated very differently in the process. But um, I, yeah, I would say it's a pretty wide net for the 
group of people that has to like go through some something like this. So it's okay. interesting. It's and Absolutely. it's interesting that this is how our government functions. You it's know? very interesting. So how did you initially come across these jobs that you were seeking out, applying for? I were they? It was again. It was a combination of like kind of being recruited, but also kind of being like applying to things. Like I, I explicitly applied to all of them, whether it was through. Did you find it or, online? Did you? It's probably were, more I mean, secretive than that. I mean, okay. they're at my school, and they have generic postings online. And usually, like if you apply through like LinkedIn, you have to then fill out like a application through a portal. So it's mostly like internally based, I would say. Ultimately, um, but the way that people get to that portal is a little bit different. Like, I'm sure if you looked online, you could find it. I don't think it's, like, a private application. But depending on which route you go and who's sponsoring you, it's a little bit different for every... Okay, so you find this job online. You find Mm -hmm. it through a recruiter, whatever. Mm -hmm. Do you need a sponsor in order to have an application? Okay, so how does one go about... Acquiring this sponsor. So that's why it's harder to get a clearance after you're a student because of the sponsorship process. So the, f- the second time I went through it, it was for a like full-time real job after college. And I was going through a contractor. So I was going to be directly working for a contractor for a three-letter org. And... Um, You know, it's funny, like, I had known the three-letter org, but, like, in some parts of the recruiting process, they, like, wouldn't say it, and it was kind of bizarre, but, again, there's, like, a veil of secrecy that they like to throw on it for bells and whistles, honestly, a little bit, but um, I had applied to the contractor in this case, and I had a sponsor for it, so a lot of the times when you get a job offer for a contractor like that if you don't have a clearance you won't be considered if they don't have the ability to sponsor and it depends what does that mean the ability to sponsor like every contractor that's working with the three letter or working with the government in some capacity usually has some sort of allocation or they have like resources okay a lot of the times they have to put forth their own money. They need to have some clout. Yeah. Oh. Either clout or put their or own money forward. It's kind of a combination usually okay. because they're trying to secure these contracts and they're trying to like maintain this relationship with the government. So sometimes it'll be like a combination of them sponsoring it, but ultimately like if the government's not sponsoring it, like it's not going to go through. So usually the government will have like a set amount of spaces basically that they can fill and a lot of the times going through a sponsor helps because you have somebody that's like my day job depends on like getting this stuff through so you have somebody that's like advocating for you more directly which is sometimes more helpful sometimes it's not it honestly is a really archaic process that needs to be refined wow intensely but okay so then Basically, you find the job, you apply for it, you have a sponsor, and then mm-hmm. what is the next thing that happens in the process, the next step? 
So it depends, again, it depends on the process, but usually there's a series of interviews, validation checks. Um, usually the validation checks happen next, roughly in sequence. Um, I would say that this consists largely of different types of fact checking. So, you know, when you fill out certain tax forms, it'll verify your identity and it'll say like, did you live on this street? And you're like, how did you know that? It's like all associated with your social security number and like who knows what database is done, but there's a lot of that like level of fact checking and they'll call your references and like meet up with people. Like I had PIs meeting up with like good friends at different places and calling yeah. them and like asking them if I was like a trustworthy person and verifying where I lived and what I did and you know, this, that, and the other. So it's a layered phase. Um, and the way I'm describing it is also very condensed. This process usually takes like a few years. So usually there's like periods of like, you know, up to five, six months where you just don't hear anything from anybody. And generally no news is good news in that process. If you don't hear anything, you can kind of assume that it's moving, which is again, an archaic, on unfair practice that benefits the employer and not the worker but um yeah it it's kind of a mystery exactly how it works internally but like from my experience generally don't hear anything until you see the like once you're through all of the interviews which usually is several rounds and start to not feel like interviews and more the fact checking they'll like go to your references. And then after that, then you have the poly usually. It's like kind of the last thing in my experience. Which you made it to. Which is a lot. I made it to every time. So every time. Mm -hmm. So meaning you applied to multiple of the three letter organizations and you made it to the poly phase in multiple of these. Yeah. So how long after your initial application to these programs did you make it to the poly test? So the first time I went through, it was for an internship. And internships are unique because they're almost always with people who are under 21. So again, technically, they're not supposed to look before you're 18. Technically, they have no legal jurisdiction. Frequently, they do anyway, to my knowledge. But because of that, they're kind of so, able to real quick, to it. interrupt you, why do you think they are looking at such young candidates for these positions I mean I think we both know that I think they uh, myself included it's very easy to get caught up in the mystics of all of it Mm -hmm. and then they it's it feels like a very dreamy job honestly and as somebody that was very interested in that type of work from a like genuine curiosity perspective. Like I really like, like figuring things out and I feel like intelligence feels from the outside without having any like real significant understanding of the field. Um, it feels like the best puzzle ever, honestly. Like yeah. it feels like you're it's just every day waking up and very trying to solve a puzzle mm-hmm. and, if you like crack the code, you save all these people, and it's it's honestly just gra- glamorized in a way that I think a lot of professions 
can't be because of the secrecy. Mm-hmm. And again, it feels like this club that like you you won't know until you get in. And so do you think they just start looking at very young yeah. applicants and monitor them for an extended period of time? Potentially. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I don't know when I meet. Like, I don't know when I was... I don't know what list I was on. I don't know. Like, I was really interested in it, so I definitely put my name out there in several circles early on in college, and I have no way of knowing that. Again, I went to multiple things before I was even 18 um, in D.C. and otherwise, so I wasn't making my interest unknown by any means, but I didn't really have any significant contact until I was able to really apply. Um, And at that point, it was probably still, I would ballpark eight or nine months between when I applied like actually like submitted the application and when I like had the polygraph. So it's still, and that's the expedited timeline. So still like pretty lengthy process. The second time we went through, it was probably a year or two, probably two years. Wow. Which is not, it's not bad though. Like that's actually not bad. I know people that have been in it for five. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you sent the application in. And then you were contacted? Yeah. It's it's kind of exhilarating, honestly. Like, How do they contact it, you? It's a different... I mean, it's a different number every time. It's a random number every time. They call you. They call you, yeah. Oh, they yeah. call you. Yeah, they call you. And, okay. you know, I'm... So they, they call you from a random number. at a restaurant and at home, like, I never had good service. So I was always anxious about it. Wow. It was the summer that I was home that I was starting that process. Wow. Okay. Um, which we've talked about, but So you get was, the call. Yeah. What do they say? You know, they always keep it they always keep you it's like a fuckboy, honestly. They always keep you interested enough. And but unsatisfied. But unsatisfied, <laughs> honestly, because they're like, okay, we're interested in you. We have this interest. We're like we want to see where this goes. But, like, this is what's hanging up. Like, this is what you have to do to, like, maintain this interest. And wow. It's kind of like you're being gaslit by the government. Yeah, you are. Um, and. Like we all are. Like day. we all are, honestly. But I always in wondered a, what it would have looked like. In a more I, targeted form. You always right. wondered what it would look like. What? If I had actually made it through to the inter- internship. Okay, so they call you. And they say, we're interested in you, but yeah. we're not quite sure. Right. And at, at that point, like, the first calls you get are before the real background processing starts. So you have to submit all this paperwork. And they're like, we actually need you to resubmit it in paper form. So you have to go through this 50-page document and fill it in by hand after you – or print it out after you already fill it in and online. And um, – you know, sign all the pages and dot all the I's and cross all your T's and send it in. And then you have no confirmation again that it gets there. You just hope it does. And you have no confirmation that anything's processing. There's no portal. There's nothing. You just, you wait. And 
again, no news is good news because in theory they would call you again if they were still interested and if they hadn't received anything. So you just, you keep waiting and it's a waiting game and and it's an undetermined waiting time. It's no Yeah. No so updates. the whole time, like, you're planning for next summer and you're like, God, I really want to do this opportunity and this is going to really benefit me for my career because most of these clearances, once you have them, even if you get it as an intern, it's good for usually five years, depending on what it is. But it's good for five years and you, there's a the renewal process is infinitely easier than the initial process so I was honestly devastated that it didn't go through the first time especially because I had been through the poly and the poly passed okay wait and then something so what happened after the initial call you filled out the paperwork you sent it in and then nothing for months nothing for months okay then what was the next thing it was I mean it was probably like six months later honestly because I was starting to think about applying to other things it's probably six months later like in the winter at this point, like and then to winter, and they called thing. you again. I think they called me again and gave me a heads up that they were going to start calling people, and then they scheduled my medical and my psych, so I had to go in in your hometown. Or no, I'm actually I'm actually not legally allowed to like disclose. That. Oh, okay, that's like the one. No, thing that that's I'm, fine. Like, not allowed to. But so you had to go to something. a specific location. Yeah. Okay. You have to, yeah, you have to um, kind of play by their rules. So. Okay. So yeah, you go to a specific like, evaluation. Yes. It was, okay. you know, it was, all of that was fine and it wasn't too hard to schedule, but it was always like kind of. You, you know, had to play by their call. rules. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And um, they called you, had to be able mm-hmm. to make yeah. it to this location yeah. at their And there will. was, you yeah. know, it wasn't like a show up in this dark alley at this time in this place. You know, it wasn't like. Yeah. It was an official business. Like there was some flexibility and like you could schedule it and make it work for everybody. But, um, I think the most anxiety inducing part, especially for people in our generation is like just not knowing when the call is going to come through. Yeah. Really hard. And, or even if they're understandable, like a call is going to come through. So, you know, next things you go through are like the psych and the, the medical and I think there was a final interview too, and then the last thing was the polygraph before. And that was the first time I went through. Like that was the last thing, and yeah. actually the second time too. The last thing I did was the polygraph. Okay, I and I out. feel like there's more that you want to say about the polygraph. Yeah, I don't think that I can. I don't think there's anything. I didn't sign anything about like my experience in a polygraph. It's just like related to life location and stuff that I have to be. Of course. Yeah. Just Nothing like, you, of course. Not breaking any rules here. Of course, we can. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's all, all about what you're comfortable yeah. sharing, obviously. Dude, the polygraph is wild, though. Okay, so what's wild, wild about it? How's it go? Will you come? So, in theory, you're just going through your background. Like, in theory, you are going through everything that you've already given them. Again, it's like the last thing that you do. So, it's kind of just... In theory, a the confirmation. final check. It's the confirmation. Okay. Didn't lie about anything. Review. Review. Like, we're going through this one more time. Okay. You've already gone through it with the PI more than once in more than one meeting and an interviewer and people from this side and this side and a contractor. And, like, you've gone through this a million times. I have this form memorized. Like, in theory, that's what you're going through. But they... 
I don't really know what the rules of polygraphs are from their side, but I don't think there are any, honestly. I feel like it's like a little bit of a barbaric practice, if I'm going to be honest. I, as background on myself, I'm really not a big fan of the blood pressure cuff, you know, that they give you in like a on regular yes, yeah, thing the, that squeezes yes. all the way in and comes out. So in an actual polygraph during the administration of the test, you are sitting in a chair with your arms strapped to these like thick, like metal things and like, so that you cannot move. You, I mean, you can't move. Really? You have to sit back. Okay. Your feet are on a plate, so your feet are being weighted. You can't move anything. You have to be as still as possible, right? And one of your arms is in this blood pressure thing, which gives me a lot of anxiety. I've always hated that thing. I don't know why. It just makes my head spin. But it's not quite all the way in as tight as that thing goes, but it's still like there the whole time. Like your fingers are hooked up to different things. There's something in your oxygen and like your sweat glands or whatever. And it's just a lot. Like you're in this chair, like, like an animal hooked up to this machine on completely monitored. And yeah. It's, it's yeah. very dehumanizing, but hundred percent. They, to my knowledge, they can kind of do whatever they want in these interviews. Like, they don't have to tell you the truth. Obviously, you do. That's, like, the whole point of the interview is, like, presumably telling the truth. Um, but based on, like, all of my experience, it's pretty paralleled in terms of how the interview went. And um, one of the interrogation tactics that I think I witnessed both times is that they'll pick a line of questioning and kind of go after it and form a narrative for you, like construct a narrative almost, and accuse you of things and attack your character. And they'll tell you that you're lying and you're sitting there not lying. Like, I don't have anything to lie about. Like, in theory, I could say like, oh, my name's Megan. And they could be like, well, you're lying about that. And I don't know. It's like, what are you supposed to say to that? It's almost indefensible. So they back yeah. you into a corner and accuse you of this again and you're trapped you're in a chair for several hours and eventually they say like several hours oh they say like oh you failed um we're gonna like reconsider your case essentially and it's it literally is gaslighting it is like fuck whoa they're like i'm gonna advocate personally i'm gonna advocate for you and the interesting thing is both times i went through this process the person did this i'm convinced it's tactic and I wasn't lying either time, so I'm convinced it's a, it's a tactic. The accusations are different both times. And I'll tell you about the second one because it's really especially wild. But um, usually it's, like, a little outlandish and, like, from pe- things that I've spoken to with friends of mine that have gone through the process and people that they know, like, usually they, like, kind of lean into the accusation and make it, like, a little bit far-fetched. So they prompt you to be defensive about it because – they want to see essentially how you react under stress, but um, yeah. And if if you can answer this, how what age were you when you were? I mean, to I, these? I was nineteen the first time. Okay, and the second time. The second time I was 21, 22. Okay. No, I was twenty two. Okay, and they 
obviously when you are in this position of yeah. being hooked up to all these monitors and questioned and accused of lying repeatedly, it's going to raise your blood pressure. It's going to make oh, yeah. your, it's yeah. going to make you sweat. It's yeah. going to make you feel stress. And then after that, yeah, after like, it seemingly intentionally putting you in distress, they accuse you of lying. Well, the whole time they're accusing you of lying and the whole time okay. they're like, so the tests themselves aren't more than like a few minutes. Like, so you're not hooked up completely to the machine. You're in the chair the whole time, but you're not hooked up to the machine for more than a few minutes at a time. And they keep saying like, I'm going to give you another chance, another chance, another chance. You're lying, you're lying, you're lying, you're lying. And like, wow. Um, keep That's like, extreme. Hammering in this accusation. Wow. But the thing is, is that at the end of the first day, they're like, I'm going to advocate for you. I don't think you're actually lying. I think you just can't get this right. And like, you're just And like, how many hours in a day would you be doing So this? the first day is like five probably. And five you or can't six. leave this chair. No, you can't leave the chair. You don't have your phone. You don't have any means of communication. Can you drink water or go to the bathroom? Um, you can. I mean, you can. But it's kind of like you are. There's no water in the room and there's no. Like, there's nothing in the room. Like you There's have no to, break. Like, it's kind of, like, right. maybe frowned upon to ask to yeah, use the bathroom like would, or get a drink response, of water. I, I don't recall, actually, if I asked at any point. Because I think I went in knowing, like, before you go in, they're like, do you need water or the bathroom? Because... You're about to be grilled. You're about to be grilled. and By the state. Yeah. And I think I knew going in that if I had asked that, they'd be like, oh, you want to pause the test. Yeah. And then that's a whole other insinuation, right? So at the end of the whole day, they're like, I'm going to advocate for you. Like, I'm going to take this to the board. And then you get a call back and they're like, you have to come back tomorrow. Like, or the next day or sometime next week or, you know, that's like a little less flexible, but you have to come back and do another six hours. And the second time, they're only grilling you on that topic. So like the first day, it's basically like, it felt like, you know, they, they grill you on a bunch of things, but they pick one thing to just hammer in. And it's really interesting because I know several men that have gone through this process and a lot of them only went one day, sailed right through. Wow. It was maybe two hours. And I don't know any women that have gone through this process that haven't had to come back for two or three days. And... Was the person conducting... Was it one person or multiple people it's conducting, always one like, person. conducting the test? Yeah. Or was it usually a man? I had both. So the first time, I had this guy that was like... Mind you, I'm like a 5'4 female, maybe, on a good day, 5'5". Five five. This guy was like 6'3". I was 19. Like, I was terrified. But honestly, when I was 20, like in my 20s, and I went through this... I had this woman that was like five, six, maybe like close to my height. Um, and honestly, she was scarier, <laughs> if I'm going to be honest. Um, and those accusations felt more personal too the second time around. Um, the first time, I think I was probably more defensive because I was younger and, you know. Can you share the type of accusations they were making against you? Yeah, so the first time they were accusing me of drug use and 
you know me, I was straight as an arrow and that honestly just pissed me off because I was like, I have literally never used drugs. Never used drugs. And, and was I grew it- up in Northern California. So in the mountains. Like weed was not few and far between. Like I was, was kinda, smoking the weed. <laughs> yeah. Lots of people Most were. of us most had of us were. had dipped in the the weed. Most of most people had dabbled. Which is fair. People should like kids should. They're kids. It's not a big deal. But Okay, and so like if you can, can you give an example of like the way that the question or accusation was directed towards you? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't just so initially it's like, have you ever smoked weed? No, it was like, have you ever consumed illicit substances? Okay. And initially it was like like technically I had to answer yes because I was underage at the time and that included alcohol and then like it was it became like an illegal thing. So like they you know, they they use like the government terminology to categorize okay. it, but eventually yeah. they narrowed it down to like drugs. Drugs that are like federal like illicit substances that are federally illegal or whatever, you know, not just for your age group or whatever. Um and I would say no and, you know, they would pursue that and you know, sometimes they would cut the test off early and like it felt like they were cutting off questions early and she would be like, okay, okay, like tell me, like, what's going on? Like, what are you thinking? What are you not telling me? Like, what? And they would just, like, push and push and push. And the second time I went through it, um, the thing, the avenue they were going down was about foreign nationals. And I've made a lot of decisions. This is what, like, really got under my skin because I've made a lot yeah, of decisions. Yeah, tell us, okay. Over the years that would benefit me here. I really wanted to go to Lebanon. I really wanted to go to Turkey, Egypt, all of these places when I was living in Jordan and I didn't go to any of them. I didn't go to Palestine because I knew that it would potentially cause a problem for my security clearance. And I didn't retain a lot of relationships with locals because I knew it would cause a problem for a potential security clearance. And so going into this interview, like I had made all of these decisions again, honestly, ideal candidate in a lot of ways, like not a perfect human by any means, but a lot of the decisions I had made up until this point were to pass this clearance and pass this background check with flying colors. You knew what they were looking for. You I knew where organized they, your life accordingly. Right. right. Yes. Like, did I underage drink? Yeah. I had a fake ID too, and I thought about that. But I knew that from other people that that wasn't like a hard line for them. Yeah, and you were honest about it. And so then eventually yeah. in the first interview, the polygraph, when they were talking about the drug use, it was questioning about you – questioning you about it, eventually you passed it. Oh, it wasn't even a question the second time. It was it? more that they... So the first time, though, it was more an intimidation I think tactic. it's all intimidation. Okay. Yeah. So then how long was it between the first and the second was, interview? Or was this after a second in application? The first, in the first application. Okay, so the first application happened, and then they asked you about drug use. So drug what use, happened after yeah. that? I did you hear back? No, I didn't hear back. Okay, so then you applied months. a second time. So I I didn't hear back for several months for the the first interview and I got 
a notification about some additional processing okay. through my PI. So okay. like sometimes you're assigned a local person that helps coordinate Got all it. of the PI processing. Okay. So I was notified by this person that like additional processing was happening, which usually signals anytime any there's any movement it means you got through the last round okay. which was great i was like okay perfect this is fine like we were coming up on like late winter early spring so i was like okay perfect right in time for this internship like i'm supposed to start in the summer this is great like i will probably actually be done before the summer so a lot of people have trouble like actually starting on time because none of them process in time but I was very excited. Like, I was the first person I knew of that was going through something like this. Okay. To hear back and, like, know there was additional processing. And I got this letter that was super cryptic um, a couple weeks later that just said, we didn't fail your, we didn't fail anything, but we have had to, like, rescind your offer. And that was it. Hmm. Nothing else. And I was devastated, honestly, because, again, it's so much easier to get a sponsorship, especially an expedited sponsorship, in under a year and a half when you're in college and when it's an internship. So I was devastated because that was, like, my life plan, like, you know? Um, yeah. Anyway, um, got over it, got another internship, like, kept going. And I think I still – I didn't necessarily want to go directly into the agency again because that one was, like, more directly – directly for the government. Um, but I still was interested in a background clearance. So that was one of the things I was looking for when I was applying for jobs post-grad. So it was probably roughly two years, year and a half before I applied for anything else. Okay. Um, anyway, in the polygraph for the second time I went around, because it was a similar lead up, you know, like probably a little more drawn out, a little more intense, probably because it was an internship, not, it, it was a big job, not just an internship. Anyway, so the second time I went through it, right, I had made all these decisions, in, especially in that, that year and a half, because that's when I went to Jordan, like I was in the Middle East, I like traveled, a, I did a lot of solo travel, I kept really intense records of everything, like everywhere that I stayed, every flight I took, I had records of all of it, and I was prepared, I had it all printed out when I was going to these interviews, just in case they asked me about it, and I had to be like, like, where were you, and I'd be like, I was here on this day, like, look at all this, because... Sometimes they will also ask for references for solo travel and they like to verify like where you were, who you were with and all that. And I didn't run into a lot of that, thankfully, because I had done a lot of solo travel. But I I had made a lot of decisions and not done a lot of things because of this background. And the line of questioning they picked was on foreign nationals and I had been like lightly involved with this person when I was in Jordan who was a Syrian national and it hadn't gone past anything more than casual, but I had asked my PI prior to filing any paperwork. I was like, look, I'm going to be upfront about this. Like I knew this person, like don't even know, like I haven't seen any of his papers, like this is his name. This is all I know about him. I don't have a current address. I don't have anything. Like, we were, you know, somewhat involved, but not... Are you serious? Technically, they, like, consider, like, the standard is, quote-unquote, close and continuing contact as somebody that you should report. And I asked more than one person, 
in the process, so not like people, not like friends or anything, but people in the process, like my PI and like their associates, if I should report this person, everybody said no, because it wasn't close and continuing. It was like maybe a couple times over a month, like, you know, it's nothing that qualifies, but in this, um, in the polygraph, when they're asking about it, because this is the line, again, this is the line of questioning. And this is when you're back in the chair with the the monitoring of the sweat glands and the blood pressure. Yeah. And they're telling me that I failed something and I'm like, I didn't fail anything. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I have a lot less foreign context than you think I do. Like, because I've made these decisions and like not made connections with people. Intentionally. Intentionally. And it's also like, I think, of course, I I mean, this is a tangential thought, but what does that do to a young person to be constantly paranoid about the connections they're making? Right, exactly. Oh, we've unpacked that. We barely begin to unpack that, honestly, in therapy. Yeah. um, Literally, like, especially... You know, I guess in from their perspective, they don't necessarily know that the person has been making all these decisions. But for me, like I had been, and it was really unfortunate that they didn't even give me the time of day to show that. Yeah. <laughs> so just, you're in the polygraph, and they the they polygraph. start going down this line of questioning. Right, and they keep saying that I'm lying, and I'm so I told them I was like, okay, so you know, this person is the only person that I brought up at the beginning of my. I told them I brought it up at the beginning of my processing. I brought it up with multiple people. Everyone said that I shouldn't file it because it was it didn't meet the definition of close and continuing contact. And um, in the interview, they were like, you're lying. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not lying. Like, there's not a lot you can say to somebody blatantly stating you were lying. You know? Yeah. Especially when they keep saying it again and again and you're in a professional context. I will say in this whole process, the one mistake I did think I do think I made was I, at one point I was so fed up with it. And this was probably hour like four or five into the second interview. So it was probably like 10, 11 hours of being strapped to a chair at this point, which is fair. Most people would be mentally fatigued at that point. I literally can't imagine that. I did look at the practitioner and I was like, look, I'm really not lying. I don't have anything else to say about this. And, like, I'm curious how accurate this portion of the test is. And she went off on me. She was like, how dare you question the integrity and accuracy of this institution. And wow. It's fuck that. So, that was my long straw. That's why I didn't go through. But the thing that they were accusing me of, especially the second day, they were accusing me because they started from this casual acquaintance mm-hmm. who like like was like you know romantically casual um they were accusing me of sleeping abroad sleeping around abroad to get state secrets and i was like what? state secrets from as who? a 20 year old 21 year old would you even accuse the a man of this no you would not that's yeah, absurd yeah like it's really hard to hear that especially as somebody who has been taken advantage of in the past, it's really hard to hear that and not take that personally, that somebody's accusing me of that. Um, And as somebody that has consciously made so many decisions over the years to not... Avoid that kind of criticism. Right. 
And you are a extremely young person. Yeah, like early 20s. And you're accusing me, you're slut-shaming me. <laughs> Literally, like... Literally. The government slut-shaming, essentially. Yeah, so, being gaslit by the this podcast yeah. episode, honestly. No. But yeah, so don't recommend it. Either. So then, so basically, okay, so you have that extremely traumatic interview. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I actually, like, cannot imagine being strapped to a chair and monitored for several hours mm-hmm. in unison, like, in... In sequence, In yeah. sequence, I actually would need to be sedated. That would it was, be it was extremely traumatizing yeah. for me. Like, and I, 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 and I, I honestly, like, can't even imagine that from anyone like I I can't imagine any circumstance in which I could be strapped to a chair and my blood pressure sweat glands heartbeat all these things monitored and without like by anyone even if it were in a mental health context per se or like by my family like not that that exists but I mean especially by a large and important, influential government organization. Right. And it's just... I also have read about and listened to um, YouTube videos, podcasts, etc., talking about how inaccurate polygraphs are. They are. So it's kind of alarming that a extremely important and influential government organization, arguably, like, one of the top, (laughs) or some... Like, all of the top... organizations are using this technology which is like proven to be junk science right well that's why i questioned it in the moment was because it's not admissible in court anywhere yes you can't use this in court at all it's you can fake it and it is inaccurate it doesn't accurately predict lying either so i don't really regret Faking it, but she did pop off on me. And so, well, but like you didn't really fake step. it. No, no, no. Sorry, I I do regret accusing them, or not even accusing them. I do regret questioning it in a way because I think it just caused more problems for me. But I did so, pass it because oh, you did. I did pass it after that one. They did, at the, and the funny thing is, at the end of the second day, they're still like, "You're lying," and. Well, we need we need to process this. We got to take it to the board and all these things. Do you think they're just trying to like prepare you for possible interrogation? Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't a single lie that popped up on the whole test the whole time. Honestly, because I was telling the truth about all of it. So if this test thing actually predicts truth versus lying, they were probably lying the whole time. Because wow. I was I was genuinely. Like, I don't, I was, you know, I was working another job and, like, trying to fit this in between my days off. And, like, it's a really time-consuming thing because you don't know how long you're going to be up there. You have to have your phone, like, you have to give your phone up all day. And, like, you, like, you don't have any access to anything. So, it's. I mean, it's, it's, like, extremely exploitative, really. Right. And, like, you can't even, again, like. The one thing I did agree to was to not disclose any details about, like, time and location for these events. And, you know, I can, like, be generic about it in terms of the timing. But, um, you know, like... 
you are you like, are a like minor. I, or, I mean, you're only you're like barely past a minor, and you are being, being yeah. requested to go to an unknown location where you're not allowed to inform any of your loved ones where you're going, and yeah. you are put you are strapped to a chair, yeah. and you are hooked up to all these monitors yep. and traumatized essentially yeah not to be dramatic but that's essentially what you're describing to me i mean i lied to my current employers about where i was wow because i had to like what was i supposed to tell them you know like i wasn't i wasn't supposed to disclose where i was going so wow you know so then after the second Mm -hmm. interview what happened next I mean, I was pretty upset on the way home. I so they're continuing continually, of, yeah, and, and then the, you basically, when you come to the end of the interview, like, what was the last exchange you had with yeah, the interviewer? I think that's a good question. I because I don't remember the first, the end of the first round of interviews when I was nineteen. Um, it was all such a blur, and I think that time in my life was such a blur. But I grew a lot before the second time around and the last interview of the last polygraph um you know she was kind of saying like you know I have to do a third day because it looks like you're lying and I looked at her and I told her I was like look I'm not lying I don't have anything more to say about this so if you want to question me again like that's your prerogative but I have nothing more to say about this and I feel really confident in the answers that I've given and I am not going to have any trouble sleeping tonight. Like I don't, I basically was like, look, I don't really want to go through this again. And I don't know why anybody would want to go through this again. But also I was like, look, like I don't have anything else to say. So if you bring me back in and question me again, there's not going to be any more information because I have nothing to say to you. Like I have nothing to say. I'm not sledding myself out abroad. I don't know how to I don't know how to professionally say that, you know? Like and I think it just it hit a chord with me to where that's how I was ending the interview, but I also like once I had processed it within like a few weeks, I was like, you know what, I don't even know if I'm gonna pass this and I don't care. Um I had like I had another job that was fine. And I was, like, applying to other things. I actually, like, had been starting, like, eventually I had started the interview process for the job I'm at now, which is wonderful, and the people are great, and there's mostly women that work there, and it's fantastic, and... Love that. um, Love my current job, yeah. And I think it really shaped how I view, like my priorities for the workplace because at the end of the day like that experience is a requirement for everyone that works for that organization at the very least everyone that has a like top secret clearance which is most of the organization and it's it's anybody that has any degree of power so that's a big red flag and I don't want to work somewhere that like requires me to be treated like that and requires me to like be accused of that shit like that's not something I would want to go through and that's not something I would wish on anyone in my life and I think if I don't wish it on anybody else in my life like 
I owe it to myself to not wish it on myself either, you know? So it was like a little bit, it took me a long time to get there, I think, because I had invested so many years and so many decisions into that moment of being prepared for that. Mm -hmm. Um, And like something else that we haven't talked about is that you can't go to therapy if you want to get a clearance because they, because of HIPAA laws, they can't really directly ask you about it. So they can't prove that you're not mentally unstable. So they basically like will frequently just not consider you or pull you as a candidate. And I had a brief stint in therapy, like wasn't diagnosed with anything. And like, it was like two, three months before I went abroad just to make sure that I was like, okay to be living by myself in the Middle East, like big culture shock, you know, like first time I was that far away from the U.S. And the first question they asked me about it was, so tell us why you were institutionalized. And I I was like, excuse me? Like, I literally thought they had the wrong file because I was like, I have never been institutionalized. What are you talking about? And they were like, what's on your transcript? It's like, what is this? And they... They immediately, like, assume the most. And honestly, there's nothing wrong with being institutionalized. But the way that they, you know, portrayed it was, like, what's wrong with you? And, like, give us a reason why you shouldn't be out of here right now, you know? And I was wow. like, look, I was just this going to therapy true. before it's going abroad. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. And so would this, like, go back to even childhood, like, therapy? Or if you're allowed to say. Me? No, like, no, like, I'm saying, do you think that the rule about therapy mm-hmm. dates back throughout your life? Like, even I if you were so. in therapy as a child, do you think that would be an issue when you are applying to be an employee in these organizations? It's a little bit of a gray area, honestly, okay. because technically they are not allowed to ask you about anything before, like, at, like as a minor. Okay. Um, but it is a gray area because if you're... It, I'm sure it sometimes will come up in your medical history. Okay, and I'm sure that they're looking at all of these records and yeah. analyzing everything clearly based on everything right. that you've said and Yeah. And well in the psych evals too. And if anybody from any of your references across all of your life, like they they'll contact like thirty plus people. It's honestly for a lot of people, like you run out of people to list, honestly. Wow. That's because insane. You can't list people for more than one thing, and you have to list multiple people for one thing sometimes. And, um, you know, in theory, if anybody were to reference anything from that time frame, it's kind of fair game, I think, to my knowledge. Um, But, you know, if you had anything boil over into being an adult, like, in theory, it would be passable. So... Again, I think the probably the proper stances know that nothing from childhood would boil over into like affecting the process. According to I their, you're doubtful that that's accurate. I'm doubtful. Yeah. So wow, crazy, really crazy. And I actually did because I saw a therapist when I was in eighth grade, and the first time around I mentioned it. And they made a big deal about it. I was like, dude, I was a minor. And once I started honing that point in, they, like, kind of dropped it. But... Wow. It's... It's, um... Oh, you were unwell in middle school? Yeah. 
Wow. I know. Like, who among get us? The crowd. <laughs> uh, like, literally, like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like one of those things that I think it's disappointing. Mm-hmm. I, I feel disappointed, but not surprised. Yeah. That our government institutions treat people this way. I know. It's crazy. And it's crazy. Um, and, I think the therapy thing is extremely alarming, and I also think the sexual questions to a young girl are very inappropriate and yeah, extremely alarming, especially since you said that men that you knew going through a similar process were not. Nothing. Um, and asked, honestly, yeah. they would be like, what do you mean? Like, it was hard. Like, what do you mean the polygraph was four hours? Like, it's even, like, the length of time wow. they were in the chair like significantly less and they wouldn't have to come back for another day like it's it's crazy it's honestly crazy um and you know i'm white so i'm sure my experience is also skewed that way because i at the end of the day i'm a white woman so who's pretty like i'm not extremely queer presenting so i don't think you know generally i don't think i face that type of um prejudice frequently when i'm by myself at least and i still like it's it's really damaging that that's how they choose to approach it but it is what it is and Like, I never, I didn't stuck, stick around. Like, I know that my background got processed because I didn't really fully pull the plug until that came through because I, I honestly didn't, I left that poly thinking that I had failed it because of what I told her at the end. I was like, look, I'm kind of done. Like, I'm, I don't have anything left. Like, you can keep I'd be like, I need to go home. I'd like, be, like, sobbing. I'm I mean, like, I'm not that tough. First of all, I, like, everybody, I teared up a little. I don't, I didn't cry at the time, but, like, everybody cries. A lot of people cry a lot because they're yelling at you. Yeah, and, like, I would be literally sobbing. Cry. I'd be, I cannot cope. Like, imagine I'm like, that's already one of my flaws that I'm like, I'm like, I'm a little, I've, I've gotten better, but I'm a little, I'm a little challenged with like the criticism, taking criticism thing. Right. Which I recognize. But if I'm like, was like strapped to a chair and I yeah. felt like physically insecure yeah. because I'm, Immobile, like right. I'm unable to moving, and I do not right. feel secure, and I'm being monitored. I definitely could not. Right. Well, that. the first few times they'll be like, "You blink too hard." Like, <laughs> you're not even monitoring my eyes, bitch. Like, it's like some like um, clockwork orange shit. Literally, literally, literally clockwork. And orange. that's why I said at the beginning, it's kind of barbaric. Like the whole thing is it's barbaric. Very. It seems extremely barbaric. And um. I mean, imagine a job interview where you go in and, like, it's all hunky-dory at the beginning and then they start attacking you personally and forcing you. And anytime you answer a little bit unprofessionally, or they're looking for a reaction, essentially. So, you know, you have to just kind of keep it in check and... It's really hard to do, again, when yeah. you're strapped to a chair. So then, basically, you left the interview. You mm-hmm. thought it was... You didn't think you were going to pass. I didn't really care, honestly. Yeah, you were like, I just need to get the fuck out of this um, trauma-inducing situation. Yeah. And then... 
if you can say what happened next. <laughs> so honestly, like I like they give you a usually when you go through the con- a contractor, you have a written job offer with a salary on it beforehand. So I honestly kind of leverage that paperwork to get better offers at other. Girl boss. Yeah. And this is before my current round of interviews that got me my current job. So this is like a different thing. But over the course of the two years that I was processing, yes, I did leverage that job offer. Honestly, your power <laughs> is, my power, yeah. is shining right now. I'm like <laughs> That's all I thoroughly impressed. That's all I could do. That's like I mean, you good. went through the trauma ringer. And then and I went through it again. Twice. <laughs> so twice. you deserve to leverage that for higher paying job. And therapy. as you should. And you know what? You need <laughs> to be able to afford therapy. A little extra therapy for me. A little extra therapy. It's not hard anyway. A sprinkle of extra therapy. Yeah. A side of yoga. Yeah. A little silent retreat. A little yeah. a little um a little travel. A little detox. A little Espanola. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's insane. Um wow. Yeah. First of all, I'm like, sorry that all happened to you. No, it's okay. And people got to know. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Yes. And second of all, do you think think there's anything, I guess two questions. Mm -hmm. Do you want one at a time or whammy and both at once? You know, I feel like maybe both at once and then I have to ask you to repeat one of them. Okay. So would you have any advice Mm -hmm. or comments? Um concerns, any statements that Mm -hmm. you would make to someone who was considering going through this process? Mm That would be the first question. Second question is, do you think there's anything that we as American citizens can do about this abusive, traumatizing process that is being used on the youth? Yeah. Oh gosh, that's hard. I think for people going through it, really ask yourself what you want to be doing with your life because I was really caught up in the grandeur of it. I don't even know if that's how you say that word, but... It is. Um... I feel fairly confident, and I did take AP English. Right, when I was pronouncing it, I was picturing it in my brain. Yes, you did. You know, gold star. Um, Yes, I think I used it correctly too. You got it. You did. You did for me. Absolutely, I Um, am sending you a gold star right now. (laughs) Thank you. Accepted. Um, I really think that you need to like reevaluate what you want to do and why you want to do it, and then really look at how it's going to impact your life and ask yourself if there are other applications for the why you want to do it. Because for me, I really like analytical stuff. And now I'm in, you know, cyber consulting and just like look at things all day and like analyze it and figure out the best application. And I work with people and not slutting myself out for state secrets anymore so we're doing good <laughs> we love that for you we love it for me we love that i definitely knew how to i knew those hookups back in the day for sure yes spot on about that one um and to the second part of your question i I think it's like, like probably there's like nothing we can do. Okay, sorry. There's it's a fundamental what? I do think it's a fundamental reflection of our government's distrust of itself, honestly, because I think like part of the problem is like 
our government is so, and I think this is true of a lot of right-wing, especially American politics, it is so inherently distrustful of people. And I think right-wing politics tends to view people as irresponsible in a way that is inherently bad, that people are going to be bad if given the opportunity. And I think because of that, the government, the way that the government processes its own employees is operating from that assumption that these people that are trying to join this organization are going to be bad actors. And I think when you operate from that assumption, like in theory, like, I don't even know if these tactics would catch anybody, honestly. I don't know if they would, because it's really not that hard to fill out a paperwork and pass a lie detector test. It's really not. Like, if you have the training, if you're, like, a malicious actor, in theory, like, it wouldn't be hard at all. And me, as somebody that's, like, actually going through this authentically, like, it was really, really taxing, personally, to go through it. And it's really unfortunate that that's the expense we're paying. Like I really, but I really don't think that this process would actually catch anybody that like has bad intentions. You know, I just I do think that like that's where the system is operating from the assumption that people are bad and people are going to do bad things. If bad apples, bad. you might say. Bad apples, yeah. If you will, <laughs> like needed to but throw like, that in there. Bad apples that want to like. <laughs> turn the whole basket bad like not you know just bad that. apple is like not really referring to like really bad people <laughs> i know but I know. you know yeah no that 100 percent makes sense and also it seems incredibly wasteful yeah. to um to have a government that is frankly traumatizing young people yeah and it's unfortunate it's very unfortunate and it it doesn't i I don't really think there's a good outcome for this it doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like it creates like it doesn't really seem very useful it doesn't seem like it's creating stronger members of these government forces it doesn't seem that it's making the government forces more tight-knit more secretive more efficient or effective it is Mm -hmm very hive mind and very abusive, frankly, for lack of a better word. I do think that they are looking for some degree of malleability. And compliance. And compliance, yeah. Um, Especially, Um, um, I guess I also was wondering, are they primarily or only targeting young people? I would say so, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um. I've never heard of anybody getting a clearance after like 25 ever. And in your, once you're past like 21, 22, it's hard to get somebody to sponsor you. Honestly, once you have any kind of experience under your belt, it's hard. Um, I think the exception is probably if you are somebody from another field that's like appointed into a higher position, then that's probably like a different avenue. But in terms of entry level or like, secondary level um you don't you don't get clearances and like it's unfortunate because I like I also know some people that I've worked with over the years that are older and like their whole dream is to like work in this field and um unfortunately like they've really sold it pretty well um 
And uh, again, unless you get a sponsorship, like there's no way to do this privately. There's no certification. Like you have to get somebody to buy into you personally. Um, so I do feel a little bit of satisfaction that I have wasted a lot of the government's money by going through this twice and not, um, not going through any time. So that's like my only solace here. I think. Yes. We love that. Yeah. Um, waste their money. If you can waste the government's money. Cause I'm wasting my own money. Do it. Yeah. Whatever. You know, they're wasting that's going to be a whole other episode on what they're wasting money on. So do you have any other comments for the people? Last comments for the people. Um, Go for the Grenache, not the Shiraz. Yes. That's our comment. for. We did. Yes, we did drink the Grenache. And go for the contractor, not the government. Yes. Because honestly, the contractors get paid more. You do less work. You're with nicer people. Um, frequently less men, but not always, and less bullshit. Absolutely. More real healthcare. Yeah, if you have any ability to get the American people healthcare, please do that. That's my last, that's my sign last off two point. Cents. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, and good night, good day, good evening. Sayonara. Bye. Good night.